Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Portable Church Industries over at PortableChurch.com. So I'm getting ready to plan a church again. And here's the deal. Uh, the most valuable resource you have is people. So the important thing to remember is it's worth making an investment in the people that are serving your team, your setup, your teardown, all of that. And Portable Church has actually made that a whole heck of a lot easier so that you're looking after your greatest resource, your people. Make the setup and teardown of your church easy, logical, and play a game of Tetris when you're packing up and unpacking. And trust me, that will pay out dividends to your church plant in a way you never expected before. Again, head on over to PortableChurch.com. And remember, if we don't believe in it, we're not going to tell you about it. PortableChurch.com. If we don't believe in it, if they don't pay us, we're not going to tell you about it. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, though. We don't just take anybody. I mean... It's not going to be like one day Joel Osteen. I mean, goes, hey, but Peyton, Peyton. let's be fair. We don't take just anybody because just anybody ain't calling us saying, hey, can we sponsor your podcast? No, man. Honestly, Church Planner, for real, though. If I don't believe in it, I'm not going to have it on here as a commercial, for real. But you're right. They Why do you think we cut out that former company that shall not be named? No, not be named because they screwed us over big time. Really big. And I'm not talking about us, like us as clients, not the podcast. Right. But his clients, they screwed us over big. Big, huge, yep. huge. Yep. We weren't just the president. We were the clients. We should have been the president. They should have they should have paid us. <laughs> but they, they I don't know, Pete. Considering the story of how it all went down, maybe maybe you and I should never touch anything like that again. Let me tell you, that's the last time anyone's gonna include me on an email string that I shouldn't be a part of. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. When you're dealing with merchant accounts, little jokes about embezzling money, they don't find those funny. (laughs) Right, Pete? Didn't we find that out the hard way? (laughs) Hey, you know what? Humor, it's one of those things that uh, it's not for everybody. Refuse is almost recovered. Almost. Yeah. Well... Like I said, it's the last time they'll include me. It's the last time they'll include me. That's that's all it needs to be said. Hey, so welcome everyone to the Church Planner Podcast. I am your main host, Pete Mitchell, and your secondary host, Peyton Jones, is licking his fingers. He's I'll accept that. Hey, I'm eating peanut butter. Dude, I'm moving. Like, you know my situation. I'm living in a trailer. I live in a van down by the river, man. I'm eating 
peanut butter and pretzels. This is how far I've fallen, man. How the mighty fall. Well, you might be uh, eating peanut butter and pretzels down by the river, but it's really the ocean, and it's kind of like, it's more like Lethal Weapon when he was in a trailer, but he was on the ocean in a trailer. So it's kind of like, I'm in a trailer on the ocean. Is tomorrow morning when I wake up on Tuesday morning, I should feel like Mel Gibson waking up lethal weapon. You should, which means you should take a gun with you and just arbitrarily start shooting things. Right, right. Did you just turn off your camera? Oh, I got a motion sensor light in (laughs) the office in the temporary back cave, as I like to call it. And uh, it's totally black, except there's like this ghost figure. There's a, like this. There's a but, ghost figure that's slightly moving around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, this is, today's episode is brought to you by Paranormal Survivor. The, um, the reality is I'm sitting here and I've got a bunch of crap blocking my motion sensor. So every once in a while this will happen. And I, and I just got to sit in the dark and finish my podcast. Hmm. So uh, we did get a couple of reviews, probably because what? of our, our comment. The other day of, and guy who gave us a two-star review, no one cares about you. No one well, cares did, about your I, thoughts. I did post on the uh, on Facebook. I posted one of our old transcripts, just a, a little thing about Spurgeon. It was, oh, I that was, was hilarious. I was going through our, tra- I, I had a couple episodes on the Holy Spirit transcribed because I'm working on something. I'm like, you know, I think I might have said some helpful things on there. I should go back and listen to what I said. And, uh. Because I don't know if you guys, if any of you guys have ever like contacted me on social media and you're like, hey, I really liked when you said such and such. I never know what people are talking. I don't remember saying anything. You want to know what's funny? Writing stuff. No one has ever reached out to me on social media and said, I really like what you said about such and such. That's never Although happened. Got fan mail aimed at you this week. Yeah, that but that was kind of cool. Okay, let, let me read it. First of all, guys, he mentioned me at all. He's like, I really like Pete. Pete's cool, but and I, mm, I really like. Stop. Mm, pause. Pause. That was your mom? Was that your mom? No. Here's 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 the title. Missing y'all from Bill Bick. I've been listening since 2015. Started with hardcore church planning. Been listening to your first few episodes over the last week. Pete, you the man. Your podcast has been a shield in my armor. Thank you. My first thought was, wow, he really can't tell the voices between you and me, because that was clearly a mistake. <laughs> oh, no. So the one piece of fan mail you get was actually for me. It was for you. It just got us backwards. Yeah. We got another one. I just sent it over to you t- uh, this morning, so I don't know if you had a chance to read it. Uh, it's called Love Everything About CPP. This is from, looks like, Rainsmith. I love everything about Church Planner Podcast. I like how it starts off with smack talk, church planning, and life in general is hard and tedious, and it's so refreshing to start off every episode with Seinfeld-type conversation. So, in other words... Which means about nothing. This this is dating everything. This is dating someone. Can you believe it? That's dating someone. To like 20 years, man. Seinfeld, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, on that note, Squirrel. Um, <laughs> nice. Watched, watched last night um, Jerry Seinfeld's... Uh, and I've been watching. I love this show. Um, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, yeah. I've seen him. And all. he had uh, Zach Gaffinikis on there. Yeah. And he does that between two ferns. Yeah. The best thing about this episode is at the end, they do an episode of between two ferns. And and he literally gets up there and starts ripping on Jerry about how, you know, your, your show was big back when Counting Crows were really big, too. And he's just saying all these subtle digs, and it is the funniest stinking thing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, back to our review here. It makes me feel like I have two friends and a time in my life when I'm finding building friendships hard, <laughs> which I'm like, mm, church planner. By the way, I especially love hearing the Nana clip. Cracks me up every time. Oh, yeah. I also love the practicalness of the church planning talks. Uh, I've been in full-time ministry for 20 years as a youth pastor. I'm feeling the call to plan out in our city. Uh, the church I was planning, I was planting from recently pulled the plug on the plant and financing it. Boy, does that sound familiar to anybody? Uh, and pushed me out of my job after being there for 10 and a half years. 
after 150 people signed up to leave and start with us. It's been absolutely devastating. And it's felt like we're in a bad dream. Church Planner Podcast has given us some wonderful insight into the church planning world and has given us some incredible tools and strategies to use as well. Please keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for your love to the church planning community. That was a good review. I liked it. It made me feel warm and fuzzy. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. And if you don't know what he's talking about when we say Nana, here's what he's talking about. I'm sorry, Mr. Paul Mitchell. I've dialed the wrong number. I'm trying to reach a granddaughter. Bye-bye. Oh, but that... That's Nana light. I want I want heavy Nana. You want full Bring Nana? Me some heavy Nana. Here's full Nana. Hello. I'm sorry. I'm a grandma and I dialed the number wrong, honey. I was looking for my granddaughter. I'll try the number again. Sorry. Thank you. If this is Bye-bye. your Nana, why aren't you calling her back, granddaughter? Why are you making Granny miss dial? Oh. She no, sounds I mean, like the greatest person in the world. Absolutely. And uh, you should get her an Alexa or something, you know, so she can just Alexa call. Maybe her name sounds like Paul Mitchell. Uh, yeah. Who knows? It's I, probably, love, I love that you're Paul. It's probably Paul that, Mitchell. Uh, yeah, Paul Mitchell. And I, I love that she goes, I'm sorry. I'm a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's her that's her thing. It's like, it's almost like her her calling card, her title, her reason, her excuse, her apology, all rolled up into one. Wouldn't you love to like be misdialing people, and all of a sudden it shows up on um, a radio show somewhere, or like this, a podcast, or I don't know. I just think Dude. it's cool. Well, you know, here's the thing: is I just love the fact that, that you record these and you keep them and you put them on here because most people wouldn't have done that. <laughs> they were great. I mean, that's the reason they were great. I was like, how can I not put these on the podcast? That's oh, great, man. But I got to tell you that transcript of our episodes that we've done before, that was pretty, and I had two of them and I'm working through them going, these are hilarious, man. Yeah. You know, they, they weren't that, you know, I always think like we must've run out of air at some point, you know? Probably did, but uh, listen to those. I was like, man, those are good. And by the way, this is going to be a rough one for me, just being totally honest. Today, you know, we, we have this thing about afternoon podcasts being hard. I, I, I'm afraid that this next couple weeks, as long as I'm living in a trailer, are probably going to be like afternoon podcasts for me. You know, I've been thinking about this. Um, one, I, I think you're undershooting the mark there with next couple of weeks living in a trailer. I think I think it's going to be much longer than that. Um, secondly, you know how you call me your richest friend? Yeah. I I was thinking about this. Here's, I think, a more accurate way to describe it. I have a greater monthly income than you, but I believe you are actually richer than me. Like, if you looked at our balance sheets, because I know where you live... <laughs> <laughs> and I know the size of your property. I know that you are actually way richer than me. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Dude, if we were to compare balance sheets, you are significantly more wealthy than me. Just let me know when you need some help. I'm always I will. Here for you. I will. So now you can stop calling <laughs> me your richest friend. Okay. I am my richest friend. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's funny. It's funny though because you know I was I was basically I mean for what I could afford given this property when I got home oh, off totally. the mission field. It's one of those gods. That's one of the reasons like, why I know you're richer than me. <laughs> because yeah, I I know it was basically given to you. Man, I'm telling you, you know, and and that's the thing. I have to always look back at that and think. You know, it, it, here's the thing, guys. You're, you're church planning. And remember, like, in the scripture where it says, you know, Paul says, don't don't become weary in doing good, for we will reap a reward if we do not lose heart. And, and here's the thing. I can't tell you, like, I was 12 years on the mission field. I would be overseas. And I know church planners, a lot of you guys feel this way. I'd be overseas. And all the guys I graduated high school for, first off, I went and got a nursing degree. They all went to work 
for like computer companies or whatever, uh, you know, straight out of high school, driving forklifts, becoming salesmen, becoming software salesmen, whatever it is, you know, working in admin. And they made good money. They stayed the same company and what have you. And here I am. I'm, I'm overseas and I have no money. I'm living on support. Um, I'm eating literally uh, eggs, potatoes, beans out of a can, and toast. Oh, you like, had cans? You're so much richer than me. Dude, I'm telling you, like, I dropped so much weight because I just, I didn't eat a lot. You know, um, Enter and I were, were, we were struggling, man. And we didn't, we didn't think of it like that. We didn't, we thought we were doing, I mean, we were having the time of our life, man. We were, it wasn't like we were sitting there going, oh, we're so poor. We're like, hey, we're living the dream, man. We're out here. We're evangelizing. It was rad. And then, um, we, uh, we ended up, you know, um, uh, but I would, I would sometimes wonder because we couldn't have kids. So it was at that point yet where, um, uh, you know, I, uh, that hadn't kicked in yet. I think when that kicks in and you start getting the, um, you know, I got to care for kids now, like that changes things. Um, but, but at that time, you know, we were kind of like, uh, we're living this great adventure and, but I would sometimes think at the end of my life, I'm not going to have anything. And I'm, you know, and, and it was a daily walk of faith. It was a daily trusting exercise. Like I have to literally trust God minute by minute, um, day by day, year by year, decade by decade, because at the end of my life, I'm not going to have retirement because I don't make enough. I mean, the government would, you know, they, they, they would just every year go, you don't even make enough for us to tax you. You're good. You know, um, it, it, like, I would come back and my mission board would be like, Hey, man, we, look, you live below poverty level. You, you would be poverty level in the States. And, um, but, but the, the idea was I would sometimes have these conversations with God, like, Hey, Lord, you, you, you see, you know, I mean, I've left, you know, father, mother, um, lands, country, you know, all these things. And all I can say is that when we got home, that was one of many things that happened when we got back here because living here is expensive and, but this was home, but we had a, uh, literally, a um, you know, we had a, uh, a, a lifestyle that, you know, was, was cheap and we didn't have debt, but I guess what I'm trying to say, and like I said, this is going to be a rough podcast for me because my brain is, is Stretch it out on so many different levels. So the less I talk, the better, Pete. The more you talk, the better. But what I'm trying to say is the Lord, he, he just proved faithful, man. I mean, he just really above and beyond. Like God didn't owe me anything. Let me get that out of the way right now. God never owed me a thing. But I mean, I always opted for mission over finances. Always opted the gospel over funding. And I uh, never had funding, never had church planner funding. Um, that was never my, my thing. So, you know, go, going back over the years and looking at that, it's been God's faithfulness and all those verses of promise the Lord sees, even if the reward, uh, doesn't come on this side of heaven, man, there is, that's what Paul's saying. Paul never got that. I mean, he, he said he knew how to live in abundance. He knew how to live in want, but the reality is, um, his, our true reward is, you know, I, I call this stuff extra grace. It, it, there's grace that rewards us on the other side. It's extra grace. But sometimes you get a little down payment on that now. Yeah, so I got two thoughts. Uh, one I'll share in a second, which actually ties in with what you just said. But I got something else I got to share because I found it really funny. And, you know, for me, if I don't get the funny out, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to not be happy. I'm going to need you to do all the funny today because there's no funny in me right now. <laughs> so I actually don't even know how funny it is. It was literally the trailer the first has, has sucked every bit of funny out of my body. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I've always, I've always thought I would really like to live on a trailer or in a trailer on your property. <laughs> I've actually thought that I've been like, yeah, pull it right up to the train fence and. Boom. There you oh, go. The best was the other day when I, I was telling you everything and you go, oh, man, that's hey, well, at least you don't live on the on a, on a train track where a train goes by. every. Oh, wait, 
Uh, so, okay. My, uh, my pastor asked me if I would uh, volunteer for security for the kids area. So like once a month I would have to, you know, sit in the hallway and just uh, make sure that the crazies stay away from the, the kids rooms. Right. I mean, why not? I can do that. How hard is that? So the gal who's in charge of the, the kids ministry is like emailing all the volunteers. And now I'm included on this. That was a mistake. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I have learned from our, from our merchant account friends, not to hit reply all and say the first thought that comes in my head. <laughs> so, um, so she's like, Oh, you know what? After much prayer and thought, uh, we've put together a revised class structure and this is what we're going to call them. We're going to call our seeds class will be the youngest attendees, roughly birth to preschool age. Next is twigs. These kids are preschool or TK and, uh, it's going to go up through third grade. Then we've got saplings and that comprises our new middle school group, which is fourth through eighth grades. And literally the first thought that went through my head is, with names like that, are we supposed to be burning the kids? What, I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> Seeds, twigs, saplings. Let's, let's start a fire. Let's. <laughs> I'm like, okay, don't say that publicly. Don't just, just. just yeah, I, hmm. I think he's gonna rethink after because he listens to the fight. He's probably gonna rethink your, your role here. <laughs> well, what's funny to me is, uh, so she like he asked me, hey, do they he, have an old person's ministry called like the Deadwood? Ooh, I like that. I like that. I'd want to burn them too. So, so he, he like asked me, he's like, Hey, let me show you where you're going to sit. You're going to sit right here at this table and you just make sure that nothing bad goes down. So she sends me this email, you know, Oh, that'd be great. We'd love to have you, you know, we'll put you on the third Sunday of each month and all you got to do is sit there and like, it like lists all your responsibilities. And then the last one was, Oh, and uh, we might need you to volunteer in the kids' ministry every once oh, in a while. And I was sucker. like, I was See, like, that's all that happened. What they really need was an extra Sunday school worker. He's like, hey, Pete, could you uh, work? So that, that's <laughs> they will do. They are shameless. They will sucker anyone. You just, you just, you. Whenever the Sunday school persons come, no, no. Hey, no. all I got to say is uh, that one line right there. That's a deal breaker. Like, oh my gosh. She's like, oh, we can talk Sunday after church. I'm like, great. Sunday after church, I'm going to tell you. By the way, if you want to ruin your kids, you're going to stick me in a room with them. <laughs> you know, if you need me to write a letter of reference, like an anti-letter of reference for you, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> you'll, you'll take care of that. I highly me. recommend you never use Pete Mitchell for children's <laughs> ministry. Signed, Reverend Peyton Jones. Uh, the Reverend. I loved how when you were uh, applying for... Um, uh, ministry, what was it, uh, to be a chaplain in the Army, they would always call you up uh, Reverend Jones. Reverend Jones. It was always Reverend Jones. I was like, wow, that's fancy. You're Reverend Jones. Really? Yeah, you don't remember that? You don't remember them always calling you Reverend Jones? No, where was this? When you were applying for the uh, chaplaincy for the military. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You were always Reverend Jones. That was pretty cool, man. I got to say that that whole experience was um, some of you guys know this. I was going to plant an ocean side and I thought, hey, I was actually I now am too old to do that. How weird is that? Yeah, I know. that was three years ago. I was just turning 42, which is the cutoff. And uh, and I was I was uh, applying to become a naval chaplain because I thought if I'm in a church plant in this area, I got a Navy base, a Marine base and an Air Force base. So I'm going to be a chaplain here. And, um, yeah, it was, it was cool, man. I, I there was a lot I had to do. A lot I was going to try and enlist to be an assistant chaplain. And that's the guy oh, that you acts as that your guy. bodyguard. Oh, you don't want that job. I was like, dude, I'll be your bodyguard. This will be great. Uh, he literally, he carries a gun for you. I know. Can carry a firearm. I'm already carrying a firearm. So why don't I just do it for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's it. He's like your shield there. You can be my Jonathan. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, actually, Jonathan had the shield bear. <laughs> Read your Bible, Jones, <sighs> Reverend Jones. Well, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And then he's not talked about much. It's like, okay, we're done with his best friend. Let's let's get back to David. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it was kind of an interlude. 
tell you what I've been enjoying right now is through the word. I'm actually doing First John right now, and I'm getting ready to do Deuteronomy before too long. How many sessions are they breaking First John up over? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. There's five chapters. Oh, it is five. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking yeah, so of uh, six. Second I've John got an and third intro John. chapter. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you'll you'll hear me on there. Hey, yeah, Deuteronomy. Let um, them know I'd be happy to do Jude. <laughs> I, I am funny. I am a via the internet. I am ordained. Yeah. So I went to this uh, seminar this last weekend. Uh, <laughs> I went to part of it, and then I was like, whatever, I'm out, and I didn't go back. And um, and it kind of ties in with what you're talking about because at one point this this lady who was running it like my buddy invited me to it so i was like okay i'll go and it was like make a hundred dollar donation to this uh foundation that um helps stop sex trafficking so i'm like dude why not right that's that's a good cause here's a hundred bucks no problem i'll come sit through this so at one point on the first day she like pins me down so to speak and is like asking me questions this is of course in front of everybody and i don't think people realize that's not a good idea to ask me questions when you don't really know me because i'm probably going to tell you things that you're either unprepared to handle or don't know how to handle when i tell you my answer and so like we were going back and forth and and she's like well you know, you could be making so much more. I'm like, yeah, but that would require me to work. I don't want to actually work. Like, I don't do anything. Like, I sit around most days and hang out. I'm like, that's kind of what I like doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could be given so much more money to charity. And I'm like, yeah, but that requires work. You don't understand. I don't really want to work. <laughs> and she goes, well, why are you here? <laughs> I'm like, because my buddy Martin asked me to go. <laughs> She's like, that's hilarious. She's like, well, you wouldn't give up, you know, three days of your time. And I'm thinking, dude, lady, this is day one. I'm not sure I'm going to give up much more of today, you know, to this <laughs> thing. Right. But I didn't say that. I, I had enough sense to to not say that one. I'm like, lady, I, I literally asked Martin this morning, five minutes before you started. So what is this whole thing about? I'm like, I have no idea what this thing's about. I'm just like, I'm here because my buddy said I should come. I'm just saying, mm. I'm not the guy you want to start asking questions, not because I'm like rude or anything, but because my answers are not going to fit whatever you're you're looking for in front of everyone else. Right. Because I usually just tell people what I'm thinking, and that's not necessarily a good thing. That's funny, dude. No. That's so, funny. It was, uh, and I mean, I got some really good ideas out of it, and then I was like, three quarters of the day on Saturday and they took a break and I'm like, okay, I'm grabbing my crap and I'm out. And I took off. Wow. Wow. And then Jamie's like, are you going back tomorrow? And I'm like, mm, no, I'm done. I'm done. I've been, I've been through enough. Nice. Nice. So, well, that's cool, man. What, what day did you pull out? Saturday. I think oh. I called you on my way home. Yeah. yeah that's when did. I called you. you did. Yeah. That's right. We had a, we had a right little, shindig i i couldn't believe you took my call on a saturday afternoon you like never take my call oh man it it was sad because andrew was like she just crashed out in the seat next to me we had just in the stifling heat set up the trailer and uh yeah and i think i think emotionally stuff like that just takes a toll on you you know dude i'm debbie downer today i'm i'm just being honest like (laughs) you know um by the way, do you ever watch that on Saturday Night Live? I don't. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. I don't either, but I will watch a Debbie Downer clip, and here's why. Almost every time they do it, the girl who's Debbie Downer cannot stop laughing. She makes everyone laugh, and she normally – they can't get through that skit without someone breaking character and, and laughing. Really? And that, to me, that's worth the price of admission. Yeah, it's hilarious. I know. That's I the funniest thought. part about it is them trying not to laugh in the middle of it. Yeah. So, but yeah, hey, um, so that kind of, you know, that kind of goes, I think, with with what I want to talk about today, and that is just being emotionally worn out. Um, I, I think a lot of church planners, they get to the point where, like, for example, I met with a church planner this week, and um, predictably, he was 
and he had just gone through his second year, which I will tell all church planners that that is the suckiest time as a church planner. The reason why, just a reminder for you guys, the reason why is normally in the first year, everybody's gung-ho. They're going to change the world. It's going to be the next Mark Driscoll. You're going to be, you know, everybody's going to be on staff. Everybody's going to be laughing and partying. It's going to be amazing. And it's all, you know, jelly beans, unicorns, and rainbows. And, you know, then real life hits like a Mack truck, and you suddenly realize about six months into it, nine months into it, it's usually about nine months um, after launch, you, you, you kind of realize, like, hey, uh, this isn't like the fairy tale church planner book I read. This is not, I mean, there's no Glinda the Good Witch of church planning coming and waving the magic wand on my church plant. Um, there's not thousands of people um, coming here, and we don't have money. And, uh, in fact, the opposite, people are leaving now because they're disenchanted, because they're realizing what I'm realizing, and that is this isn't, like, we're not riding some big wave. Like, remember when the disciples get all excited, and they, you know, whoa, the crowd swell, and Jesus quickly just goes, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and everybody takes off. Jesus is like, I'm not having any of this crowd swell stuff. You know, I'm, I'm getting rid of it. I'm shutting it down. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Here's some hard words. You want to follow me? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you're ready to do that. And then he turns to his disciples and says, you guys ready to leave too? And church planners often feel like that, where it's like, man, like everybody's leaving. You look at your core team, you're like, you guys gonna, you gonna take off? Well, Jesus wasn't, it's not like he was, you know, I, I think with us, we're often, you know, a little, maybe bewildered and befuddled, but for Jesus, he was like, hey, I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be because I know where the story ends. It ends with me getting nailed to a cross and whipped and abandoned by all my friends. So I know where this story is going. So, you know, the, the, the crowd swell means nothing to me. And I think for a church planner, you know, we don't have that insight. And hopefully it's going better places than that. But when Paul speaks as a missionary, he says, hey, this is what it is for us. We die daily. Therefore, we're, we're, we're like sheep to the slaughter. We're slaughtered all day long. I mean, this is our reality. This is what ministry is. We die daily. And then he says, but we live in the power of the resurrection. And so um, as, as a church planner is going through all these changes um, and, and the crowd swell is it's dying out, people are taking off, and you're in your second year now. Most of those people are, are leaving. Um, there's no uptick. You, you have to either raise the white flag and surrender at that point, which let me just back off and say, I don't know why that would be the case. Like we're numbers, the metric, no matter how much we say they're not, it's still what's celebrated. If I tell you what I'm doing and you say how many people, and I tell you there's 30, 40 people, you're going to feel sorry for me. Even if you say it's not about the numbers, you're still going to, you're still going to make a value based judgment on that. Um, and then if I say it's, hey, it's 2000 and we're at six months in, you're going to be like, whoa, well, it says nothing about the quality of what I'm doing. In fact, if I've grown that quickly, my personal belief is it's all, it's all people from other churches. I just had a great advertising campaign. That's, I, I think real church planning is a slow win. Um, there's only one time in the book of Acts that you see a sudden, actually twice, a sudden groundswell in a church. One is called Pentecost in Jerusalem. The other one is Ephesus. And Ephesus um, was like an outpouring of the Spirit, just like at Pentecost. Um, you know, it says that they burned their witchcraft books. or It started off with a riot, though. It didn't start well. It ended well, but it didn't start well. And so when you're looking at all this, there's a lot of ups and downs in church planning. And I think... It's kind of like my life right now. There's a lot of ups and downs. And you and I talked about it, Pete, this morning. And I was like, you know, it sucks. But my life fell apart. I'm getting ready to church plant. Of course my life fell apart. Um, this is what happens. This isn't my first rodeo. I I know what this is. I've been here before. And this isn't even the worst I've had. The worst I've had was, you know, gosh, man, infertility. You know, years ago, being told that, that we could never birth children. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. Most things in life you can fix. Most things you can bounce back from. That was quite a blow. And, and see, that's what's funny to me. That's where I can really see the differences between the two of us. 
Yes. Because I'd be like, that's a godsend. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I remember having that conversation with Jamie because it took us a while to get pregnant with uh, Luke. And I was like, hey. You felt like you were winning. I was like, look, if God's not giving me a kid, I don't think I should be having kids. (laughs) Like, that was... I remember distinctly saying that to Jamie. I was like, hey, you know what? Let's just be straight. It, but in in all honesty, though, I and I get what you're saying, and I do think there's validity in the fact that it's different for us as dudes than it is for women. Because women, um, it's it's something that happens in your body. You know, you you sure. give birth, you you create sure. that life inside yourself, and it's it's one with you, and um, it's different. It's it's like a rite of passage for a woman. The whole experience, the life cycle. And for me, watching my wife's heart break as she realized she would never experience that as a woman, um, I think that was hard. That that was, to be honest, that was the point I got mad at God. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that I was mad at God about a lot of things. Um, I got mad at God when I got kicked in the teeth. Um, and by the way, this is about emotionally uh, being, so this fits. It, it may seem like a tangent, but um, I remember being mad. I was like, that's enough, God. Mm. That's enough. I was mad. And it, it's kind of like where you, you feel like, and, you know, hindsight, I mean, you know, we would not change a thing in the sense that, you know, sure, it'd be, you know, it'd be great if we could have physically born ours, but, um, but that was not God's plan. God built our family the way he built it. And we love our family. We would not change for any other experience the family we have today. We, uh, that, that I can say with absolute 100% certainty. Um, but at the time, um, for me as a dude, it, I wasn't going through the same pain. Um, it was more watching her go through that pain. Sure. It was, that was the, the real hard thing for me, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and so, you know, when it comes to all these things in church planning, like your life tends to fall apart. And then, and then once you're in it and you're, you're getting back on your feet, there's drama, there's constant shifting and adjusting and adapting. And, um, you know, maybe the offering dips low and you're like, well, you never have like a place where you're secure, where you feel like no one's coming to invade. The walls are built up strong. You know, you don't feel that in church planning. So, uh, church planners are out there. You're waiting for it to change. Um, it's not going to change for a long time. And it, you know, chances are 90% of you out there, wah, wah, Debbie Downer, here it comes. 90% of you out there, you're going to be a small church because statistically that is the church. 90% of the churches out there are less than 200 people. And to be honest, like 150 people in your country, that's a, that's a good size. Of people, you know, beyond that number, 150 to 170, you know, you lose the dynamic of a small church. So, for example, on a Sunday morning, about 150 people is the limit at which someone could stand up and say, hey, I want to share something on my heart. You'd, you'd have to get up and grab a mic. You'd have to, um, th- there's just a psychological dynamic that where things change beyond that. And, um, I, I personally don't believe that the early church in Jerusalem, that all those people that came to faith on that first day, that they probably ever really met in the same place at the same time again. We don't have any record of that. What it says is they met in temple courts and house to house. What it says also is that they met daily. And I think that they gathered daily because, you know, all 5,000 of them, 6,000 of them couldn't meet one time at a set time a week. And so they were dispersed in homes and they were, the apostles were just there every day for them to minister to them, to disciple them. But I don't think they had this ginormous 6,000 uh, person crowd. I think they, they just were like, look, we'll be here at the time of prayer, um, which John or Acts four goes on to tell you that that's when they typically went up there. There was a rhythm to when the apostles would be there. And then you would have, um, you know, the people coming when they could, they were slaves. They were, um, people that worked for a living, they, they, they made it when they could and the apostles would be there to, to disciple them. And so it was this kind of movable feast. 
And, um, and so when you're, when you're like, Hey man, I can't wait till it's, we've arrived. We're secure. It's just not probably realistic. And so for church planners, I think sometimes we get in and we start feeling like this is harder than I thought. It's taking longer than what I thought. And I'm not as strong as I thought. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. In fact, I remember you and I went to a, a conference years and years ago. I mean, we might have just started the magazine. I'm not even sure. And I remember we were talking to this one church planner there. And he was like, yeah, you know, and I, I got the, the church plant up to about 40 people. And then after like a year and a half, I just I got burnt out. And, and I just closed the whole thing down and moved on. And... I remember hearing that. I was like, one, totally get it, right? Totally get the burnout because it, it drains you, takes everything out of yeah. you. But two, you had 40 people yeah, who like wanted to hear about Jesus. And you were meeting on the beach every Sunday. Why didn't you turn it over to someone else? Right. I mean, like how many seminaries are there right now? Were there guys in there who would love to step in and yep. take over a forty-person church? Yeah, like yeah, I don't know. There's no money, but see, they they haven't had. You know, we used to make the joke that uh, when you graduate high school, you know, June is when you're going to light the world on fire, and July is when you're wondering if your matches are wet. <laughs> uh, uh, and it's kind of like it you is know, the same. yeah, yeah. So guys who are still in seminary. They're still like, oh, I'm going to light the world on fire. And you're at the point where, hey, are my matches wet? Well, turn it over to someone else then. But yeah. the reality is, is in, in that guy's case, I think it was more about him. Like he was like, you know, I was expecting to be the next big hotness. And I wasn't. Well, and that's so it. I closed it's it. sowing and it's watering and it's reaping. And Paul tells you, hey, look, you know, be a, be a good look to the farmer, Timothy. This is hard work, man. You you talk to any farmer, that dude's up at four a.m. He's out there working hard. He ends, you know, right before the sun goes down. Maybe he's out there milking cows after after daylight. Like it's a hard job. Um, a soldier, soldier doesn't just get to play. Soldiers, it, it's every single thing that Paul talked. Athletes, the, it, training, dedication, hard work, sweat perseverance like paul uses these three illustrations to say guys this is a marathon run this in the sprint yeah this is this is like this is this is where we tell people same with spurgeon and in, in um in the beginning of uh, lectures of my students he says hey if you can do anything else do it because here's the thing like right now guys my life is falling apart i pray that it would be a sermon to you guys that uh, you know Peter says, don't, don't look at it as if like something strange were happening to you. This is normal. And I know it's hard when your finances take a hit. Trust me. I just lost the equivalent of one year's wages. Okay. <laughs> That's what I just lost. Um, the, the, the reality is it. And, and I might just add, I told you to bet on red. You put it all on <laughs> black. That was your <laughs> fault. But you know, it, it's like I'm in this place right now where. <sighs> I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. These things, there is a spiritual dynamic to my life. And it's not the first time I've been here. It's not the first box canyon I've been in going, God, part the Red Sea for me. You know, it's hard. I've been a little short of temper. I've been a little bit funky. I've been a little bit, I don't want to go out and, and I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, and yet at the same time, I need to talk to people, which is probably why I picked up a call the other day on a Saturday. Um, but but when we get emotionally worn out, there's a couple things about this. I, I like that you point out, first off, church isn't yours. It's not yours. You might have started it, but it's not yours. If I start a business, it's my business. If I start a church, guess what? Still Jesus' church. It's not my church. So I don't get to fold it down. I don't get to shut it down unless it's so inherently sick and my leadership has been poor or, you know, there are other things. I don't mean to say that, but, you know oversimplistically, but there are times where you're like, okay, this should not continue and we have to shut it down. Sure, fine, get that. But 
But unless that's there, if what you're doing is you're shutting it down because you're too worn out, like Pete said, there are others. There are other people. And part of the reason that I think a lot of guys um, shut down and, and get worn out is they tried to do too much themselves. Whereas Jesus, the first thing he does is he sets up a team of 12. And he says, hey, I need I need you guys to, to live together, work together, minister together for three years, and then I'm handing it off to this team. It's team. Always in the scripture, it's team. I could not make it as a bivocational minister as a unless I were a team. And I know we say this. We've been saying this a lot recently. But I really want guys to get this. If your team is faulty, do not start a church. If your team is not strong, do not start a church. Do not do it. Because it's not going to end well. Because you can't build your team after you've planted the church very well, because you've got so many different things you needed the team for, right? I mean, trying to start a team then is almost kind of like building your engine uh, in, a, in a car that you've rolled down a hill, right? It's just not a good idea. You know, we're trying to, to <laughs> what did they say, build the airplane while it's in the air? Um, it, it It's not good. So first off, team. And second off, one of the, the things that team will allow you to do is to take a sabbatical. So one of the guys in the New Breed Network, um, he has been, um, he's taken a sabbatical and he's able to pull from New Breed and say, hey, can some of you guys from New Breed come on over and, and help me in my church plan right now? And sure enough, we're there, right? He has a team, but he needs a little bit extra help. And so there's a network there, but he, he's got a band of brothers around him to say, Hey, we can help you out. Yes, you should take a sabbatical. And yes, you are more important than your church plan and you need to do this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I would say that, uh, the taking a vacation is one of the best things you can do in business for your business. Mm. So I gotta assume that it would be that same way, if not more, in a church. And so counterintuitive, right? Guys, very oh, counterintuitive. Is, yeah. Yeah. My church is going to struggle because, uh, you know, I'm not here. You know, if your church is struggling because you're not here, you built it on the wrong foundation. Well, and it's what it comes down to is okay, most people, I'm not talking about pastors who are listening to this because they'll be like, oh, I never thought of it that way. But most people, when they think of tithing, they think of it as I'm giving up something. I am. I have now taken my income down by ten percent. Right? They're they're seeing it as a loss. Right. Now, most pastors, and I think most most people who get it are like, no, dude, this is an investment. This is an investment back in the kingdom. This is giving back to God, just a small portion of what He gave to me. Right. But it's a different mindset. So right. most people, when it comes to vacation, they're thinking this is two days out of my month or three days out of my month that I'm going to take off, and that's a subtraction from the church because I'm not going to be there to handle all the crazy calls and the chairs didn't get set up and the trailer got a flat tire and all that jazz, right? They're seeing it as as a subtraction, and it's not. Because when you go, and by the way, guys, when you go on vacation, this is going to be the toughest thing in the world for you to do because it's tough for me, like really, really tough. But you might want to actually consider going without your smartphone because you just need to decompress. Just turn it all off. Hang out with the family. If you're going to someplace uh, with a pool, like I remember one time, Jamie and I, we were so po, right? We were po. We were so po, we couldn't even afford the rest of the word. We were po. And like we went to uh, San Juan Capistrano for like one night. All we could afford was one night at like a Motel 6 because we wanted a pool. <laughs> we just wanted to be able to like go to a pool. I, I would just say that is valuable time. Like if you're with your family, if you've got kids, you got a spouse, whatever, just go be with them, have fun, and not worry about anything with the church. Like if you've got a leadership team, they'll figure it out. They don't mm. need you to answer the phone. They will right. figure it out when you don't call them back. <laughs> right? right. They'll get it. And they're, they're big boys and girls. They'll, they'll right. take care of it. Just take the time off. And then when I call you still answer the stinking phone, Peyton. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. I'm kind of notorious for that. I screen call. But, you know, you know, obviously I can't. I'm always going to call you back. But, yeah, I I'm mean. Joking. I'm joking. And, and I think, no, but I think that's a that's a key is I think it's a key to how you do ministry, too. I, I had a, yeah. a leader um, that I had to, to, to talk to and say, hey, you guys stop trying to be Jesus. Jesus is on call 24-7, but he's also immortal and omnipresent and omniscient and eternal. And you're not any of those things, you know? Um, so you got to stop trying to be Jesus. It, they call it the Jesus complex where you, I have to save them all. You know, I've been a firefighter, man. I can't save everybody. You know, I've been a nurse. I can't save everybody. I have to have literally um, what's called triage, which is where you sort out what needs to be done, what can wait, right? What What's critical and what's not. I'm not saying you always in ministry wait till things are critical. But, you know, sometimes when you get to that point, the critical thing is you. You know, it's it's not anyone else. It's It's actually you are the critical thing. And maybe right then you need to have the absolute priority over and above everything else. Yeah. Yeah, I concur. I agree. Take time off. So anyways, um, you know, so yeah, you take time off and also you need a, um, you need friends. You need, you need people outside of your church plant. Um, you need counseling, you know, um, if you're going to take a sabbatical and you're struggling, uh, you need to do is you actually need to get a counselor and you need to have someone you can talk to. And also I would say friends, if you don't have support systems, if you're, you and your wife don't have support systems, if you as an individual don't have, so if there's not friends you can talk to as a couple, you need that. If you don't have a counselor, you need that. If you don't have a, um, a, uh, a friend or a group of friends that you as a dude can hang out with or just go and, and be, you know, for me, it'd be like being Peyton with, you know, I don't, I'm not the pastor. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm just Peyton friend, right? I, I need to not have everybody look at me as a spiritual leader all the time in every scenario. And God didn't design life that way. I have different relationships to different people, to my kids. I'm a parent, to my spouse. I'm a husband. To my parents, I'm a son. To my boss, I'm an employee. I have different relationships and different expectations of who I am based on, you know, these different roles that I have in my life. And sometimes I just need to be a friend to someone and they need to be a friend to me, right? With no church strings attached. And that's, that helps me emotionally. You see that with David. That's, that's why the Bible introduces David and Jonathan. Because David had the Lord, and he had the prophet, but he just needed a friend sometimes. He just needed Jonathan, too, in the midst of going through this really hard time. And, you know, I I, I spent time, when I bumped into to Dustin the other day, your pastor, pretender, um, I ended up, uh, I, at that time, I was with my best friend uh, since second grade. And, you know, he... <laughs> We were getting ready to, to, to get out of the car. He goes, you know what the greatest miracle Jesus ever performed was? And I said, what? He goes, at the age of 33, he still had 12 friends. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's both cynical and profound. And, um, you know, it, it and then he, he smirked and goes, that's a joke. <laughs> Cause I didn't laugh. I was like, wow. <laughs> But the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, friends, it's, it's hard at our age, but you know, guys, you know, pray for that. Like you'll meet friends at cool places. My, my friends, I mean, I met Pete speaking at a church, you know, and, uh, we formed a friendship. We just, we didn't know we were going to be good friends, but, <laughs> or friends, maybe not good friends. Maybe, maybe the jury's still <laughs> my friends don't usually, my, my friends don't usually think I'm a good friend. You know, um, I don't think I am a good friend to many people, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's because of my lifestyle. I think it's because I, I, I move around and there are times 
where I would say if I'm not church planning, I find it hard because that's when I, that's where I find my community. So you would arguably say, Pete, when we were uh, in um, refuge together, our friendship was was tighter because I I could be around you more, you know. Oh, I actually don't think that at all. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't. I but, I would intentionally try and stay out of your way on Sunday and not talk to you. All of my, you know, it's so funny, man. Because I was like, okay. you're, you're in Everybody full pastor mode. You're like meeting everyone who's never been there before yeah. and talking to me. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to stop him from full pastor it's, mode. It's funny you say that because in, in refuge, that's where the apostolic gifting is like turned up to 11 on the amp, right? It's, it's like even yesterday, like I show up to refuge Long Beach yesterday. My friends know, like they're all excited to see me like Kirkhoff, you know, he's, He's excited because, you know, I'm not there all the time. I show up. And um, and so when I'm there, um, which was really cool, by the way, squirrel. But my uh, my pastor, who's at Pillar in Wales, um, who's now Barry's pastor and going to be Melissa's pastor. It's like all these connections, like Refuge San Pedro, like Pillar, Refuge Long Beach. Like, it's really neat, man. Just watching all Mike was over with Paul Percy over in uh, Stanton, like it, it was just, it's one of those days where you sit back and you're like, this is rad. Like all my worlds, everybody's shifting around. It feels very new Testament to me. And, um, but anyways, uh, I was over there and there was this couple and I, I wanted to get back to this earlier anyways, but there was this couple. And of course, as soon as the service starts, stops, I make a beeline for them and I'm just chatting with them and I can sense the spirit and they had been in the park the week before just hanging out in the park and they saw us and they were like, we want to go there next, next week. And she was backslidden and he was, he had spent 11 years inside and um, said, I had read a Bible in, in prison, but just didn't understand it. And, uh, and so they were, you know, I was talking to them and they're crying and, and I'm praying with them. And I'm just like, man, this is, but again, um, refuge, this summer we've been outside and it's been hot. It's been hard. I've been there maybe one out of every three or four weeks. Um, and it's, you know, there are weeks I'd show up and I'd be like, there does not seem to be a lot going on here. And last Sunday you could just see like it was time as hot as it was. You could see like, okay, we needed to persevere here. Cause I, even in my, like I was part of the decision, um, to go back outside. For the summer, and I just remember thinking a couple weeks ago, like, man, I don't, I don't know if this did much good. And of course, that's where Paul's like, hey, Timothy, keep planting, keep sowing, keep, you know, you'll reap in due time if you don't lose heart. When we're doing that, it's all this work of faith, and we get discouraged. And I think that's the the biggest thing for us. That's why endurance is the key. Um, and all those illustrations that Paul used about the work we do, because it's discouraging. And sometimes you're just like, man, I look at my avocado tree right now. And last year, almost none of my avocados dropped. They were just, uh, they're huge and they just taunted me. They just stayed up there all year looking at me like, haha, we're not going to drop. And then they started dropping a little bit in the summer. But what happened is right now is August, September is the rich month, but the avocados are small. And, and so, but I, I know like, Hey, in time, these are, these are going to grow and they're going to, it's weird, man. The climate's doing weird things in my tree is normally I'd be, I'd be like eating guacamole every meal right now. And so, cause I got four avocado trees. So all of a sudden, like, you know, again, that same thing, like, I just know I've been here before. I know this, it's a new cycle, but I need to be patient right now. And guys, that's the thing. Like, as you're looking at it going, I don't know if I can keep doing it. If you feel that way, don't keep doing it. Don't keep doing it like you're doing. Take a break. Take a sabbatical. Don't make the decision whether or not to continue when you're worn out. That's always a bad time. And here's another thought, too. Sometimes when a guy gets that way and he's just emotionally beat up, um, sometimes what's really going on is you just don't have clarity about that church plant. You haven't been asking the right questions. It, it, sometimes that's a sign that you've done the foundational work. You're handing it off. One sows, another waters, another reaps. And sometimes you're like, okay, I broke up the ground. I planted the seed. It's time for me to go now. 
where I laid the foundation, as Paul said, and now someone else is building on it. Sometimes you take that sabbatical and you get that kind of release from it's not a failure. It's not a it's handed to someone else now. Someone else is going to come and build on that foundation. Mm. And that's right. And we don't think about it that way. As New Testament as that is, we just don't think about it. We think, oh, my church might fail. I'm going to fold it down because I'm emotionally worn out. And nothing could be further than the truth. I think a lot of the church plants that Paul planted in the, in the early church, they probably had about 40, 60, 70 people. Probably didn't have that many people as much as we think. But we're probably out of time, aren't we? Well, yeah, we're coming up near the end of it. So, guys, um, oh, one last thing, and I, I know I've mentioned this before, but um, get a hobby. I mentioned friends where you can just be you. Have have something that you love doing. It's just stupid and mentally unwinds you. Did you, you see? That time? Did you see that um, meme I tagged you in on Facebook where it was like Batman? <clears throat> yeah, where the guy's like, if you would have told me that there was a superhero who was blind but saw everything through sonar, basically. And there was another superhero who was a rich billionaire. And all he did was, you know, jump off of buildings and make really cool cars and stuff like that. And then later you would have told me which one was named Daredevil and which one was named Batman. I'd punch you in the face. <laughs> That's so funny. It is. Well, speaking of that, I found myself in a comic store this week. Oh, nice. You know, and you know, hey, and I don't mean this as a joke um, to, to make light of pornography or anything, but better a comic store than a strip club. And I'm, I'm not saying that in, in a way to, to, to say that as a joke. What I'm saying is, um, Andrew and I were, were talking about how men go through midlife crisis. And I said, you know, that's the thing for me is when you, when you look at the anatomy of, uh, you know, a moral failure and you open it up, these guys that have been sacrificing and they've been working hard and they've been, you know, uh, taking less pay for a church and whatever. I believe that the psychology that happens is they've been sacrificing. Everybody's been calling on them. They've been serving everybody. They've been poured out. They've been, you know, making all the cuts. And then at a certain point, this happens with businessmen too. You'll know this, Pete, with entrepreneurs. At a certain point, they go, I just want something for me. I want to reward my, you know, I don't get anything for me. It's all been sacrifice and drudge and work. And, and, and the bad thing, the psychology of that is that it's usually something illicit. And Andrew and I were joking, and I go, you know, midlife crisis time, I go, I think I'll just want, you know, like a virtual reality or, a, you know, a, a maybe a bigger TV or, you know, another game box system or whatever. And we were just laughing because the things that I have learned to do over the years have been stupid things like that where it's just, hey, I'm just going to go blow up some space aliens for a little bit. And that's going to be mentally, that's my time, man. That's me. That's just, I'm just going to go do that. It's stupid. It's brainless. But it's where my mind goes to relax and to unwind and to just, if I'm tied up in a, in a tight knot, it's going to untie that knot. I'm going to relax mentally. And like you said, it's like a mini vacation. I'm not going away for two weeks. But it's the best thing I can do for ministry sometimes. Like Spurgeon said, he said, get out and garden. That's what he was saying. Go out and garden. He said, every minister ought to have a garden because it's completely disconnected from ministry. He felt that it taught you spiritual truths. But the reality is you actually are doing something unconnected with your hands. And if you're going to... um you know, uh, for me, like I said, I ended up in a, in a comic book store picking up a graphic novel, Batman, because right now my brain needs that because I'm going through it. And, 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 and so understanding the physiology, the anatomy, the psychology, um, that's what we need to do and find that thing. If it's golf, don't feel guilty and say, Oh, I'm so busy and I, I don't have time. You're not going to have tons of time for that, but you're, um, yeah, you're going to need to do that. So apparently my audio sucks, so I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> well, let me ask you something. Bad? When you're doing all this stuff and, like, planning for vacation, is there anybody that you can lean on to help you with, let's say, payroll and tithing and all the tax stuff, IRS compliance? Where do you turn to for help like that? Pete, I go to SimplifiedChurch.com. What? SimplifiedChurch.com. 
they're a place. Uh, well, they're they're a, they're a service. They're not a place. They are in Chicago, though. Um, they, they, Illinois. They are a service dedicated to helping churches and small businesses simplify themselves. They you can be a nonprofit. They they serve New Breed. They serve Refuge Long Beach. They serve countless church planners. And by the way, Josh himself was a church planner. He understands it, and he loves helping church planners because he knows that you don't have all of the margin like we've talked about to deal with all the church finances on top of everything else. They'll help you bankroll or uh, payroll. They'll help you with your bank statements. They'll help you do your accounting. They'll help you budgeting. They even have virtual assistants. They'll get your IRS compliance on track. SimplifyChurch.com. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. All right, guys. Well, that's been our podcast today. Thanks for listening. It's been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music